Welcome to this week's sermon at Village Presbyterian Church. At Village, we seek to be shaped by the life of Christ, to practice authentic friendship, and serve the world. You're invited to join us at either our Mission Campus or our Antioch Campus. For now, we hope you hear a word for your own life in this sermon. Good morning. Our reading today is from Luke chapter 1, verses 57 to 80. You may find this text in your pew Bible on page 932. Let us prepare our hearts in prayer. God of mercy, you promised never to break your covenant with us amid all the changing words of our generation. Speak your eternal word that does not change. Then may we respond to your gracious promises with faithful and obedient lives. Through our Lord Jesus Christ, amen. The birth of John the Baptist. Now the time came for Elizabeth to give birth and she bore a son. Her neighbors and relatives heard that the Lord had shown his great mercy to her, and they rejoiced with her. On the eighth day, they came to circumcise the child, and they were going to name him Zechariah after his father. But his mother said, no, he is to be called John. They said to her, none of your relatives has this name. Then they began motioning to his father to find out what name he wanted to give him. He asked for a writing tablet and wrote, his name is John. All of them were amazed. Immediately, his mouth was opened and his tongue free and he began to speak, praising God. Fear came over all their neighbors, and all these things were talked about throughout the entire hill country of Judea. All who heard them pondered them and said, what then will this child become? For indeed, the hand of the Lord was with him. Zechariah's prophecy. Then his father Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke this prophecy. Blessed be the Lord of God of Israel, for he has looked favorably on his people and redeemed them. He has raised us up a mighty savior for us in the house of his servant David as he spoke through the mouth of his holy prophets from of old, that we would be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us. Thus he has shown the mercy promised to our ancestors and has remembered his holy covenant, the oath that he swore to our ancestor Abraham to grant us that we, 
being rescued from the hands of our enemies, might serve him without fear in holiness and righteousness before him all our days. And you, child, will be called the prophet of Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people by the forgiveness of their sins, by the tender mercy of our God, the dawn from on high will break upon us to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death, to guide our feet into the way of peace. The child grew and became strong in spirit, and he was in the wilderness until the day he appeared publicly in Israel. The grass withers and the flowers fade, but the word of our God shall stand forever. So Zechariah had not spoken for nine months, not a word. I imagine he and Elizabeth worked out a system of motions and signs and note passing, but even with that, Zechariah had to have had a lot of time with just himself and his thoughts. But after a long season of silence, his mouth is opened and he spoke. And because he hadn't spoken in so long, Everybody, and I mean everybody, listened to what he had to say. So, if you were going to speak and you knew that you were really going to be listened to, what would you say? What would be important to say? I learned recently of a letter written from a Civil War battlefield by Sullivan Ballou. He was Speaker of the House of Rhode Island, and when war broke out, he joined the Union Army, serving as an officer. He was wounded, losing his leg in the first Battle of Bull Run. When the Union forces retreated, he was left behind. Within a week, he died. But a few days before the battle, he wrote a letter to his wife, a portion of it reads this. My very dear wife, indications are very strong that we shall move in a few days, perhaps tomorrow. Lest I should not be able to write you again, I feel impelled to write a few lines that may fall under your eye when I shall be no more. If it is necessary that I should fall on the battlefield, I am ready. 
I have no misgivings about or lack of confidence in the cause in which I am engaged, and my courage does not halt or falter. I know how strongly American civilization now leans upon the triumph of government and how great a debt we owe to those who went before us through the blood and suffering of the revolution. And I am willing to lay down all my joys in this life to help maintain this government and to pay that debt. But my dear wife, when I know that with my own joys, I lay down nearly all of yours and replace them in this life with cares and sorrow when after having eaten for long years the bitter fruit of orphanage myself, I must offer it as their only sustenance to my dear little children. Is it weak or dishonorable? While the banner of my purpose floats calmly and proudly in the breeze that my unbounded love for you, my darling wife and children, should struggle in fierce, though useless contest with my love of country. Sarah, my love for you is deathless. Sullivan Ballou was killed before his beloved Sarah received this letter, but we know of it because she kept it for the rest of her life. I imagine he knew she would, so he spoke love. He wrote knowing that she would pay attention to every word. If you knew you were really going to be listened to, what would you say? What would be important to say? You know, in this room, we often speak of love as action, that in, in Christian faith, love is not just something we feel, it's, it's what we do. But part of that action means there are times when we need to say it out loud. Our love needs to be spoken aloud. That's what I think Zechariah did. Zechariah's first words in a long time were words of blessing. If the song of Mary that we heard last week is called the Magnificat because the first word in the Latin translation is Magnificat. This is called, this song of Zechariah is called the Benedictus. Same reason. His story begins in the temple. Zechariah was a priest, and for a lifetime he had gone to the temple to oversee sacrifice and to pray. And time and again, he had gone to the temple to pray for a child. But the sun had set on that dream he was old now, too old for fatherhood, at least that's what he believed. But still he was in the temple to do the good that was his to do and to pray. Gabriel met him there. Gabriel was an angel. I doubt he had wings and a halo, but he did have a message. That's what angels are, they're messengers. Gabriel says, you and your wife, Elizabeth, will have a son. Not just a son, but a son who will be a prophet in the spirit of Elijah, and his name shall be John. God picked his name. It's John. Understandably, Zechariah, at his age, is caught off guard by this. 
Gabriel is offended, and because he doubts the goodness of God, Gabriel says, you won't speak until your child is born, and Zechariah didn't speak. The child is born, and everybody wants to know, what's his name? What's his name? They assumed his name would be Zechariah Jr. We'll call him Zeki. But Elizabeth said, no, his name is John. And then in a funny moment in the text, they motioned to Zechariah. It says they motioned. It's not like they can't speak. He's the one who can't speak. He can hear, but they motioned to him. And he says, he motions to get a tablet and he writes, his name is John. They're befuddled. They say, nobody in your family's named John. We don't know anybody named John. Where did you get the name John? His name is John. They didn't see that coming. Another thing that they didn't see coming was that after nine months without a word, Zechariah speaks. And because he hadn't spoken in so long, everybody listened to what he had to say. And this old man, now a daddy, has had a long time to think about this, and he chooses to speak blessing. He praises God, and he blesses his son. Blessing is the language of love. I think there's a lesson here. When we speak, and when we speak and we know it's going to be heard, we need to speak love. We need to speak blessing into this world. Sociologists teach us that cultures are shaped by language, that language is the building block of, of any culture. And in our day, it is well recognized that much of our cultural language is not blessing, but belittling, attacking, even mean-spirited. The language of the playground has become the language of public discourse, and it's hurting us. Grown-ups and leaders at times act as if free speech means you can speak without responsibility, but nothing is free apart from responsibility. The speech of smallness is hurting us. Father John Jenkins is president of the University of Notre Dame. He once stated, civility is what allows speech to be heard. I think he's right about that. Love is not only what we need to say, but it's what allows others to hear what is said. So Zechariah speaks love for God and love for his son. When we speak love, it can be powerful. Marilyn Robinson's novel, Gilead, is a letter. The whole novel is, is a letter written from a father to his son. It begins this way. I told you last night that I might be gone sometime, and you said where? And I said, to be with the good Lord. And you said, why? And I said, because I'm old. And you said, you're not old. I told you that you might have a very different life from mine, and that would be a wonderful thing. There are many ways to live a good life. I will pray that you grow up to be a brave man in a brave country. I will pray you find some way to be useful. I will pray, and then I will sleep. 
The book narrates this letter of blessing written by Reverend John Ames to his son. Reverend Ames knows that he's dying, so he wants his last words to be words of blessing, to be words of love. You know, that kind of clarity, it often sets in when we know our days are numbered. Every relationship, uh, uh, every relationship has struggles and crises and brokenness from time to time, and that stuff gets said too. But that is not often what we choose to lift up when we know the conversation really matters. When we know we're really going to be heard, often what we choose to lift up is love. And speaking love is a wise choice. Zechariah had a long time to think about it, and when he gets to speak, he chooses blessing. And because he speaks it not at the end of his life, but at the beginning of his son's life, his words have power not just to reflect on life, but to shape it. This is what I mean. Zechariah spoke love, love of God and love for his son, specifically stating that John would grow up to be a prophet in the spirit of Elijah. He would lead the people to walk in the paths of peace. And that's exactly what John does. John the baptizer grew up to be a prophet, a preacher that everyone wanted to hear. He told the people that that which was broken in them could be made right that that which was injured could be healed. He told them they did not have to be controlled by the wrong that they had done, but that forgiveness, redemption awaited, that there was a promised day that was coming. He, He proclaimed the power of love in a way that changed people, and it took courage because he had to be afraid. He had to be afraid every day because the powers that be opposed him. And like the one who came after him, John paid for this with his life. But even in the face of opposition, he stood tall, not shaped by his fear, but by his hope. Now, Gabriel said this is who John would be, and we might think, well, that takes care of it. But... God has plans for all of us that don't always come to fruition. So I wonder if John became who he was in part, in part, because he had a daddy who knew how to speak blessing, who knew how to speak love. We read the words of Zechariah when John is an infant, but I imagine Zechariah carried these words with him all of his life. And that there were many times, maybe times when John needed it most, Zechariah rehearsed these words again, reminding John everything that he saw in him, everything he believed about him. He spoke blessing. And I wonder if knowing that someone loved him like that is what gave John the imagination, the hope, the courage to become the person that God called him to be. I wonder if if John mustered the courage to spend all those days in the wilderness eating bugs and honey and telling everyone that a better day was coming. 
I wonder if he had the courage to do all of that because Zechariah told him, you will go before the Lord to give knowledge of the salvation of God's people. It's the language of blessing. It's the language of love. And it has the power to shape life. You know, I have had in my life some painful, mean-spirited, hurtful things said to me. You have too. Everybody has. And because you have, you know just how hard it can be to lay those words down. You know how hard it can be to let go of those painful, hurtful things said to us. It can be hard to shake. So I think the better path, the path to peace, we need to speak blessing to one another. We need to let love shape our speech. But we also need to hear it when it's spoken to us. We need to give room in our souls for those who speak blessing to us, those who speak love, words of love to us, because the word of blessing is not a word that just reflects on life. It is the word that has the power to shape it, that we might be the people that God calls us to be. Pray with me. Precious God, we believe, help our unbelief. In Christ's name we pray, amen. Thank you for listening to this week's sermon at Village Presbyterian Church. Learn more about us at villagepres.org. And we invite you to join us again next week.